0: Thank you. to the word, tough word this morning, make no mistake about it, but praise God, I just moved with a sense of urgency, you know, there isn't time to fool around, I mean, there's no time for mealy mouth preaching, we have to get to the issues, deal with issues and move up, if the church is going to do what she has to do, amen, the church has got an awesome responsibility in this day and age, and she has to be prepared, she has to be prepared, and you won't get there by just fooling around. Amen. We can't afford to fool around. Anyway, the title of this message is the stepping stone. I'd like you just to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews four fifteen to sixteen. Hebrews four fifteen to sixteen. I believe this message will help us a lot. Alright, Hebrews four fifteen to sixteen. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are. Yet without sin. Okay, we've got a high priest. What is the function of a priest? To stand in the gap between us and God. That's the priest's function. All right, that was always the priest's function to be the intermediary between man and God, the priest. So we, have, we don't have a normal priest. We have a high priest that was tempted like us. He understands us, he realizes what our lives are like. Now, because of that, this is the important verse. Let us therefore. Come boldly to the throne of grace. See that? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Isn't that beautiful? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Let's just go to Ephesians, quickly Ephesians 2. I'm going to read from 14 to 18. Ephesians 2, 14 to 18, right, for he himself is our peace. This is our high priest, by the way, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Very important. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. See that? Putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Do you see that? Through him we have access by one Spirit to the Father. To the Father. I just want to read Isaiah quickly, we read this last week, but I just want to go there, Isaiah 1, Isaiah 1, 18-20, Isaiah 1, 18-20, Isaiah, God is our salvation, right? Same word as Yeshua, Isaiah 1, 18-20, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Well. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Blessed to us this morning, we pray. Grant us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and wills to do. Thank you, Lord, and minds to understand. Just come against any force of darkness that would try to interfere with this word in the hearts of anyone within the sound of my voice. And we proclaim that your word will not return void. It will accomplish that for which it was sent. Grant me the words to speak, O Lord. Holy Spirit, be our teacher and use me this morning in the precious and wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Now, I want to just pick up from what I was saying two weeks ago, and that is that there's scope to reason with God. God is reasonable. We're supposed to talk to him, right? Remember we said that. The Lord in that scripture of Isaiah said, come, let's reason together. Let's reason together. Now, one of the big problems I've discovered with children of God, we know we're Christians, right? We know that we're right with God, etc., etc., but we don't grow. Okay, now there's a reason for it, very common reason. And I think that reason is we have in the back of our minds this understanding that God is righteous, monolithic, almost like unapproachable up there. We look at our lives and we say, oh my goodness, have you ever done that? (laughs) Have you ever looked at your life and said, oh my goodness, you see? Now, the problem is this, that, and we know this so well, it's almost like God is so great, but we can't go to Him, we can't, we just feel, we can't, you see. We don't feel worthy, Very a common problem, and, and the devil works on that, you see, all the time telling you, you're not worthy. You look at yourself and blah, 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 you understand? Just making us conscious of our weaknesses and in our hearts, we just can get to the place where we feel we can't, we can't go to God. We just I should be behaving much better, but it's no good. Now, you see, we've got to break through that. All right, we've got to break through that. You see, what is that scripture in the book of Ephesians? This enmity, that enmity is this thing that keeps us from God, has been removed. Amen? At the cross, it was removed. It was demolished totally. Amen? It's not there. It's not there. So from God's point of view, there's nothing stopping us from going to him. You understand? He has opened the door for us. Amen? He's opened the door for us. You see? Isn't that wonderful? But you see, the devil says, no, 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 you're not worthy, you're not worthy. I mean, most Christians, I believe, if you have to ask, do you think you're worthy? You say, no, 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 no. That's why it's so hard to get people to prophesy in church, to even preach. Isn't it? Filled with this concept, I'm not worthy. How can I speak the word of God? But we can, because we've been forgiven, you see. You've got to know this. But you see, so, okay, we've been forgiven. I hope we've grasped that. We've been forgiven, okay? As far as God is concerned, there's no barrier to you and I going to him. So we've got to know that to start off with. However, we need to take it a step further and understand something. You see, God understands our weaknesses. Remember that scripture we read it first? We don't have a high priest that is completely oblivious to what you and I are going through. He lived on this earth. He went through it. He knows what it's like. Amen. He knows what the pressures are on this earth. He understands us. Does everybody grasped it? It's very important to realize that. Our high priest is not somebody monolithic, standing up there, judging us all the time. I've heard this so often from people that have got a fat excuse not to go to God. Oh, he's judging me, so why must I go and bother? Am I right? How far from the truth can you get that's based on complete ignorance? You see? But what we've got to realize is that God wants to discuss things with us. Can you all say amen? Amen. He wants to discuss. He wants to talk. He wants to help us. Amen? He wants to help us. You see? But if you now won't go to him, can he help us? Hmm? If you're battling with your maths... At school, and you're in your little hole like I was, trying to do this, and oh my soul, it became just too much. What didn't I do? Go to the teacher for a start and say, look, I'm battling with this, please help me. You understand? If the teacher doesn't know, they can't help you. Does that make sense? I'm trying to put this in very simple terms. Now, you know, I've got to realize that God is like that. Did you know that? He's like that. He's got a plan. amen. He's always got a plan. But how are you and I going to know that plan? You won't know it on your own. You understand? And if we and I are too scared to go to him, we'll never find it out. Amen? We'll never find it out. And what I need to say today is this, that whatever you and I are facing, it doesn't matter what area it is. If it's sin, you have a besetting sin that you just can't get victory over, God is not angry with us. Isn't that wonderful to know? Amen? But what does he want us to do? Come, let's reason. You see? Come, let's reason. Please grasp this. If you're facing a terrible problem with work or with finances or anything, God's approach is this. Come, let's reason. Does that make sense? We've got a living God, you see. Not a set of rules that, oh, I've broken the rules, I'm done for. Not at all. Yes, there are rules, and yes, we break them. And yes, we're sinful. Yes, we know all the things. We are weak. We are weak beings, all of us. We are weak beings. But God understands. Amen? And a lot of people use that as an excuse. Oh, well, God understands. Let me just carry on enjoying my sin. God does understand, but more than understanding, He's got a way out. Does that make sense? He's got a way out, and you see what he's saying to us is, come and get the way out. Don't run away from me. Come and find out the stepping stone, and that's what I wanted to say. With God, there's always a stepping stone. Do you know what I mean by a stepping stone? You know you want to cross a river, little stream? What do you look for if you don't want to get your foot wet? I'm a bit touchy about getting my feet wet. Then I'm hiking. I don't know about you, but you know, I like shoes that keep them dry. But anyway, there's the stream. What am I looking for? I don't want to plunge into it. I want to put it on a stepping stone so I can get across. Does that make sense? Now you see, you and I are in our lives and we may be battling. Life is difficult. I'm not going to pretend that it's a walk in the park. It isn't. It's tough. It gets tougher every day, it seems. But you see, here we are battling with things. What is God saying? Don't battle on your own. Does that make sense? Don't struggle on your own. Come to me. And how do we come to him? In humility. I've got a dressing gown that I wear at night when I'm praying. I love to share this. I go through this with God all the time. He must be so bored with it, but I never get bored with it. And I've got this dressing gown, and I say, Father God, I'm coming to you now. I'm coming into your throne room. Let's just get one thing straight. I don't have any right to be here. I have no right to be here in myself. There's nothing that I've done that makes me worthy to come to you. I'm trying my best, but none of that matters. You understand? But I'm coming to you for one reason only. I feel I can come boldly to you for one reason. I've got a garment. I've got a garment. You see? And this garment, it wasn't cheap. This garment, your son died, paid with his life for me to have. Amen? I've got this garment. Now I'm using my dressing gown, but it's not the dressing gown. I'm talking about the robe of righteousness. Amen? The righteousness he purchased for me. You get it? Because I've got this robe of righteousness, I can come boldly into your throne room. Amen? That's what God wants. You see? And we come boldly and we say, Father God, I'm battling with this. Amen? And you see, he says, let's reason. Let's reason. Let's talk about it. You see? Because why? God has got a way out. Can you all say amen to this? We might not know the way out, but he does. You see? He always does. He's always got a way through. Does that make sense? He doesn't want you and I to struggle for the rest of our lives, going around in circles. Amen. He wants us to move on, to rise up with him, to overcome in every area. Father God, I'm battling with my mother-in-law. God's got a way. Let's talk about it. Amen. And you'll find when you and I talk about it, God will give you a stepping stone. Amen. Something you and I can do. Amen. Something that you and I can do to move in the right direction. Do you understand? God says, okay, don't worry about this sin so much. Do this now. This will start the process for you to get out of it. Are you hearing me? God is like that. If you look at the Bible, He always presents people with a stepping stone. Something they can do. Remember, God will never ask you now to do something we can't do. However, please, very often it might be something we don't really want to do. And that's my point. Okay, that's my point. So you see, you and I must not be scared to go to God. But not go to God and say, Lord, forgive me, let me try again. Well, that's fine, but let's be practical about it. Father God, I failed so many times. What am I doing wrong? Amen. I what must I do to change this thing? And always God will give you something to do. A stepping stone. Amen? Find out what that stepping stone is. And then what? Step on it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now listen. I've discovered something. And this is what I want to talk about. You know, very often we get into difficulties in life. There's a scripture I'd like to just read you. Let's go to Psalm 68, 5 and 6. Psalm 68, 5 and 6. And this is where the road gets a bit tough, but we've got to just push through. Okay, Psalm 68, 5 and 6. All right. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. Okay, there's movement with God. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Notice there's a process. He brings. He doesn't just transfer. He brings. It's an ongoing process. He brings. But then he says... But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. The rebellious dwell in a dry land. Now, I need to explain something that God's revealed to me. Very often we find ourselves in a dry land, in whatever area. We find ourselves in a dry land. You see? And we go to God, Oh Lord, get me out of this dry land, get me out of this problem, blah, 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 blah. And you see, what we've got to realize, that 90% of the time, We're in the dry land, not because it suddenly happened. Amen? Does that make sense? It took time to get there. It was a process. And what I discovered is that, as human beings, we are birthed in rebellion. There's rebellion in our hearts. And serving God is a process of getting rid of that rebellion. Okay? And it's an ongoing process, let me tell you. It's an ongoing process. So you see, what happens is this the devil, as I say, is a creeper. He gets you and I to rebel in a little way. Okay, now listen to something. Rebellion is tied up with pride and witchcraft. Okay, the three go together. There's a supernatural power involved. The moment you and I step out in any form of rebellion, which is birthed in pride you know what happens? We become spiritually blind. The result of rebellion is spiritual blindness. The prouder you are, the more blind you are. Have you come across people that are very arrogant and proud, that they're not going to serve God? Blah-de-blah-de-blah, what's their problem? They're totally blinded. Totally blinded. But it's a process, you see. And what happens is, as you and I are induced by the devil to go along this process, You become less and less sensitive to the things of God. You become less and less sensitive to morals, to anything of value, to any standards. And that was the course that my life was on before I met the Lord. Alright? I started off very happy, thank you very much, but there was such rebellion in my heart, and I didn't even know it, rebellion against God. You see? I don't need religion. I'm doing fine on my own. You see, that was the mentality. But you know what happened, slowly but surely I became more and more unhinged from any sense of value, any sense of morals, any sense of order, you understand? The more rebellious I became, the blinder I became, the blinder I became. I'll just share one illustration towards the end of this process before I got saved. It's so embarrassing, but I need to share it because it's a lesson to learn. I went on a pony trail ride in Lesotho. It's the most beautiful part of the world, if you've been there. It's like heaven. Literally, it's like heaven. And you're on this pony trail. I've got mountain pony and there's other people there. And we come to this beautiful waterfall, pool, and stream. So Graham, he's into the pool. In his one hand is a bottle of whiskey. In the other hand is a glass tumbler. And he's allowing this fresh mountain water to half fill his glass, and the other half, whiskey. And he's having a wonderful time. What I have to say though is that I was dressed in a certain fashion. I was wearing the same clothes on this occasion as I wore when I was born. (laughs) Quite a sight to see. Now there are other people there. Grasp this. There are other people there. In fact, one of the couple's husband came up to me and said, please, my wife is here. (laughs) My wife is here. I mean, for heaven's sake. Now, I can't remember exactly what I said, but can I tell you what the tone was? That's your problem, not mine. Now, that's shameful, is it not? But what I'm saying is, I've followed this path of rebellion, and I've become completely desensitized to any sense of common decency, let alone anything else. Amen? Can you see the process? Mm -hmm. Now, you see, what happens is, you and I, in our lives, when we start to rebel, And let me tell you, the moment you get saved does not mean that every bit of rebellion suddenly goes... You understand? It's deep in the heart of man. It's a tough process to challenge this rebellion and to get rid of it. Because you see, if you understand it correctly, that rebellion stops you and I from seeing God. The Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The more of God you can see, the more of him you and I will experience on this earth. Amen. And you see it's a process because if your my heart has got a bit of dirt in that we can't see him fully. Can you see? And it comes to the place where we're so blackened in our heart we can't see him at all. That's what I used to say, I can't see God, so he can't be there. Of course you can't see God because the apparatus you're supposed to see him with is totally and utterly messed up thanks to your sin. You understand? But you see, the process of now cleansing our heart is a process of becoming more and more aware of Him. You see? And in my heart, I realize now that I want absolute purity so I can see as much of Him because the Bible says we see now darkly but then we'll see as He really is. But in the process, I want to see Him as clearly as I possibly can. Amen? Amen. So that I can have more of Him, experience more of Him on this earth. There's nothing more valuable than that. You see? But it's a process is what I'm saying. Now, very often, we find people are Christians are in the wilderness. They're in a dry place. And every time I can guarantee you, there's a reason for it, which is at heart, guess what, beloved Christians? Rebellion. Rebellion. You see? And we're not even aware of it sometimes. Now God's got an answer for this rebellion, and you know what it is. You see, we're talking about the stepping stone. I'm in the Messiah. Alright. And God gives me a stepping stone. 90% of the time, that stepping stone is actually challenging my rebellion. You get it? It's challenging it. I'll give you two examples from the Bible, Old Testament. Here we have this man, Naaman the leper, great general in the Syrian army. I mean, this man was really on top of his game. And the Bible says he was head of this whole military system and obviously high up in the political system but he had leprosy, he had leprosy. So you see, even though he had it all going for him, he was in the wilderness. All right, so a ray of hope comes through the servant girl, there's a prophet in Israel that can help him. We know the story so well, we've talked on it so many times. So he assembles his big army and there he is, and I can just see him at the head of his army, you see, and there's nothing more glorious than the head of his army marching, the Bible says. But what is that head of the army filled with? Pride. Here we come, the Syrian army, you know, to Israel. We come to see the prophet. So anyway, you all know the story. And God is looking down from heaven to this whole thing. And what does he see in Naaman? Pride and rebellion. Amen. He's done it his way all his life. He's got to the top. So he's going to do it all his way for the rest of his days. But he's got leprosy. You see, you and I are going to do everything ourselves. We're running our own life, everything but... We're in the wilderness. So anyway, in a sense, in the wilderness. Because what's the point of having everything if you can't hug your son or your wife? It's pointless. Anyway, so he goes to see this prophet. And as we know, the prophet doesn't even get out of bed. Doesn't even bother to stir. All he does is speaks to his servant. You understand it in context here? The servant goes to this great general. I mean, here he is on his massive horse. The servant's right down here. You get it? What must I do? Where's the prophet? He's not coming. What? No, he doesn't have to come. See that puddle over there, that muddy river, just go and bathe in it seven times, you'll be fine. Now here's the point. Naaman gets all uppity, does he not? You see, and what is that a sign of? Pride and rebellion. He was actually saying, God, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it my way. Let me tell you, when you and I go to God and say, you're going to do it my way, what does God do? He goes fishing. Or he plays golf. I don't know what he does for recreation, but he's not interested. You get it? Not interested. Not interested? The moment you and I get all proud and uppity with God, he gets very quiet, as I've discovered. He won't deal with rebellion. He will not regard it. You understand, children of God, this is very important to grasp. So you see, yeah, this man is, God will do it my way, he won't do it at all. Okay, stick it, I'm out of here. Turns your big horse around, all his army, and off we go. Fortunately, he had somebody with a bit of intelligence in his whole entourage he says, listen, you've got nothing to lose. You know I mean? You've got nothing to lose. You get it? You've got nothing to lose. I mean, you're going to go back with leprosy, so even if you have to go and dip in the puddle, so what? Fortunately, he did it. Now, what I'm trying to say is, God put in front of Naaman what? A stepping stone you see that? But it wasn't the stepping stone he anticipated. It wasn't what he thought it was, you see? And very often God comes to you in our position of difficulty and he gives us a stepping stone But we say, can't be God, can't be God. Meanwhile it's God, it's God. Battling with relationships and God says, well go and forgive that person. No, 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 Forget it. I'm not going to forgive my father. Impossible. What he did to me? I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. So what does God do then? Goes and catches those tiger fish, you see. Or hits the 18 holes of golf. Yeah, I get it. But you see, what I'm trying to say to you now is this. You know, I find ourselves in a dry place. We want to get out. We go to God. God wants to help us. Amen? But you see, he realizes something. Until you and I deal with rebellion, he can't help us. We'll stay in a dry land because that's the principle. Are you hearing me, children of God? There's another example in the New Testament. The rich young ruler, remember that. He comes running up to the Lord, throws himself at his feet. I mean, this is holiness on wheels, is it not? This is now you no know, subservience on wheels. Oh Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And can just see such a religious look on his face, eternal life. And the Lord laughs, you know, I mean. They said, well, you know what to do. Say, oh yes, I've done it all, I've done it all. Kept from my youth all the laws, I'm just... And then what does God do? To give him the stepping stone to eternal life. What does he do? The stepping stone is what? Okay, sell everything you've got. Give it away. Don't sell it, give it away. Out. I don't want that stepping stone. No, 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 I want eternal life. I want out of this difficulty. I want freedom. Okay, there's a stepping stone. No. You get it. What was God challenging that man with? His rebellion. You understand? Because, you see, he's got all this money and I will control this money my way. That's rebellion. You see, every time you now do it our way, we're not doing it God's way. Does that make sense? You see, and when we want to do it our way, we are saying to God, Don't need you. And that is a sign of rebellion in a heart. And God's got to get rid of it if he wants to help us. He has to. So you see, he was challenging that man with his rebellion, actually. And until that rich young ruler dealt with that rebellion, he was no use on God's staff. You can't have rebellious people in your organization. They'll mess it up. You get it? No, it wasn't that he didn't want to give him eternal life. He was actually saying you can have eternal life right now. You don't have to wait till you go to heaven or when you die. You can have it now. Start now. But what have you got to do? To have eternal life, you've got to get rid of the temporal life, in a sense. You've got to cut loose. But he wouldn't. Why? Because of, at heart, rebellion. There's a man that we know, and the whole issue with him is water baptism. And every time he comes up, I say to him, you need to get baptized. You need to get baptized. He knows all about it. Been taught 101 times but guess what? No, what is that? It's not superior theological knowledge. Hmm? It's not he knows better than everybody else. You know what that is? Rebellion. You see, and as long as that rebellion is in his heart, he won't go anywhere with God. He won't. There was another man of God. Well, he was in the church and probably remember him, but very good, fine couple, and I went to see them, and I was speaking to him, and I said, look, let's have a discussion here. Here you are in the church, and it's wonderful. Now you had a whole family network, you know, sons, daughters, and marriage partners, and children. I said, let's look at them like a big graph, like a circular graph. Here we are in the middle, and they're all now out there, and what we want is for them to gradually move. And you get it. Trying to strategize with them how we could pray into the situation, what we should do, to help each one move closer in. You see, that was the idea, very excited about this. But I discerned something with this man is that he was addicted to gospel television. Is there anything wrong with gospel television? No, but it can be an idol. It can replace relationship with God. You understand? And that's what was happening in his life. God showed it to me as clear as day. In other words, you know, for example, you want to make an appointment, you say, no, you can't come now because I'm watching this program. You see. It was like a fixation with him. Now I'm not against gospel television, please bless God for it, but it cannot replace you and my personal relationship with the living God, because personal relationship takes a bit of effort, as we all know. It's not easy, but you can't just say, well I'm watching television, this is my quiet time. It's not your quiet time, it's gospel entertainment, it can help you build your faith, but it's not a replacement. Does everybody get that? So I tried to say to this man, listen, this is in the way for you to actually be able to negotiate with God to pray for your family, you see. And I suggested to him, I just suggest that maybe what he should do for a whole week, just go without it. Well, when I made the suggestion, he said nothing. (laughs) He said nothing with his mouth. You understand? But he said a lot with his attitude, which I could pick up quite readily. What was he saying in his attitude? That will be the day. you get it? That will be the day. Now what was that, brothers and sisters? Am I the angel Gabriel who knows everything? No, I'm not. But I'm a messenger of God. I was challenging him with something that was holding him back. What was the response? Rebellion. Do you get it? Watching gospel television can actually be rebellion. If the heart is wrong. Does everybody grasp this? You see, and what God was saying to him, if you want this family of yours to come into the kingdom, what have you got to do? Deal with that. Did he deal with it? No. Can I tell you what happened from that moment on? Not did the family not come close, they all started to move away, and eventually he and his wife well, moved away as well. Mm. Brothers and sisters, this is how God works. He gives you something to do. You're know, right. He gives you something to do, and He waits for you and I to do it. Because you see, you go to one stepping stone, what happens after that? Then He'll show you the next. You'll get that. It's a very simple process really, but it's not that simple because you and I, our hearts are consumed with rebellion. And I tell you, it's not something that you're necessarily aware of. I'll give you an example. When I was in hospital there, and I tell you what, in those circumstances, you really look at your life. (laughs) You really look at your life. And I must say, I'm very happy to be out of hospital and be healthy and all the rest. But some part of me wishes for that time again because of that intense relationship with God. But anyway, here I am. And the Lord reminded me of an incident that happened 10 years ago, over a decade ago. As you all know, Timothy was at boys' high school. You see? And we struggled to pay the fees, but we paid them. The last year we were a bit delayed with our payment. We got it paid, but we were delayed. And what actually happened is that we paid the bill, but because we were delayed, they had already handed us over to the attorneys. So I received this big envelope in the post about how would appear appearing court, blah blahly blah, blah, blah. Otherwise, everything's going to be attached, etc. But I'd already paid, so it wasn't an issue. However, it incurred a cost for the school of seven hundred rand for the attorneys' fees. So it came on the bill that, you know, this was our fees for the year. paid that and this attorney's fee, they gave us the bill as well. And I said in my heart, I'm not paying that. I'm not paying that. Pick up my heart now. I'm not paying that. It's not my fault that they got their facts wrong. I paid the bill that they want to take me to court. It's not my fault. So I'm not paying that. Okay, now listen. Ten years later, I'm in hospital and God brings this to my mind. And you see, what God was pointing out to me is that what I was doing there was rebellion. And he gave me a different viewpoint. He said, listen, yes, it's not your fault that they got their facts right, their timing right. But the end of the day, you did pay your bill late. And because you paid it late, it incurred an expense to the school. Whether it was right or wrong, it incurred an expense to the school. And the Lord just said, that school did nothing but good for you. Amen. They did such a lot for Timothy. We're so grateful for them. Some very fine teachers and, I mean, they set him on a course for life. They really were a blessing to us. And the Lord is just saying, do you want to hurt people that have blessed you? Do you understand? What was God just trying to focus on? Rebellion. In my heart, as a minister of religion, the rebellion is in my heart. So I said, Lord, you're right. So I came home and the other day I said, right, I'm going to the school. I owed them 700 rand. I put 1,000 rand into the envelope. Marched into the accounts department there. I said, I want to settle this bill. Then the flaps started trying to find out where this bill was, Bloody blah, blah. Eventually, they got the head accountant to come waddling down from upstairs. She was the lady I originally dealt with. And just to share with you that at the time when I dealt with it, she was very angry with us, of course. I understand that. But you know, when she was angry, I could see she was also crying. Really beautiful person. But anyway, she came down and they went back all the accounts. This is 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And eventually, Timothy, I said, that's one. <laughs> and they looked and they said, no, you fully paid up. You fully paid up as far as we're concerned. I said, I don't care. I'm making a donation to the school. I could have easily said, great, I've scored now. I don't have to do this. But you see, we're talking now about what? Integrity and dealing with rebellion. God had told me, and I said, this is it. This money, as far as I'm concerned, not only what I owe them, but extra for interest. I'm giving to the school. So they took it, they gave me a counter, and I went away. Can I just tell you something? Not two hours later, not two hours later, God blessed us financially in a way that I can't describe. Amen. I tell you, he opened the windows of heaven. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Two hour, not two hours later. Amen? Dwarfed the amount that I'd sort of given in. Dwarfed it. You see what's God teaching me? There needs to be no rebellion in my heart. You get it? You see, and very often, God will just say, it, and I've learned this. I've learned this about the Lord. This is how he operates. When people come and he gives them a stepping stone, he stands back. You know I mean? Just wait. That rich young ruler, did the Lord run off? To, no, no, don't not worry, worry. You can pay it in installments. No, he didn't. Didn't. Let him go. Same with Naaman. He got all in a huff. Did Elisha jump out of bed and run after him in his dressing gown and say, now come back, come back, Naomi, you can help me. Not a chance. Not a chance. He turned over and went to sleep. He turned over and went back to sleep. You see? And I've learned something now in dealing with people. Do you know that? Very often when I deal with people, I realize God gives me the stepping stone. I say, well, you know, i just suggest something. And I leave it. Why? Wow. You have to deal with that rebellion. Until that rebellion is dealt with, I'm not going to waste time trying to educate people. I've wasted so much time trying to educate people, only to discover at the end of the day that there's rebellion in their hearts and it's a waste of time. We're trying to train this one couple. Parents, they had a problem in school with their child. They came, started with a foundation course, blah, blah, blah. We got to baptism. This woman, Polish Catholic, up till then they said, yes, we love the word, you know the foundation course, yes, the word is the most important thing, yes, yes, they gave their hearts to the Lord, blah, 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 came to baptism, ah! we're not going to get baptized, ah! what's that? Why is there problems in the home? Can you tell me? Rebellion in the heart, you get it? Until the rebellion is dealt with, the problem stays, no matter how many psychologists you go to, you understand? That rebellion has got to be dealt with. You speak to people in financial difficulties. Well, you know, have you considered tithing? Oh, no, no, no. God just says, just tithe. What do they say? Oh, no, 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 no. Lord, you know how much money we give to all the other people. We give a lot of money. We're very generous. Tithe. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to teach on this next week. There's seven transactions that you and I as Christians that I can find out. Are involved with when we actually part with cash. Seven. Everyone has got different rules, different motives, and different results, and different whole ball game. Okay, we can't confuse them. A lot of people confuse giving to the poor with tithing. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. You see, with tithing, God promises to rebuke the devourer. Not with giving to the poor. If you give to the poor, God will give back. You're lending to God, He'll pay you back. So, you know, you give to the poor, you're not losing the money. But you're not tithing. Some people go and buy Christian books and I'm tithing with this. You're not. It's a financial transaction, you see. And so people find themselves in the wilderness. Why? You see, if God says he'll rebuke the devourer, what's the reverse? The devourer won't be rebuked. Have you ever had that in your life? Money just goes this way, that way, wherever way. I know what I'm talking about. I lived with it for most of my Christian life until we learned. Hey, my darling, and now I tell you what, dear God, when money comes in for us, the first thing we do, the first thing we do, we put it into the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. People that we know, people that are part of our network, we support them. That's our task. You get it? They so you see people? No, we're not going to do that. Very often I say to people, look, I feel God saying, well, just connect. You know, you're in trouble, just connect. You see, when you and I connect and we come to services, The service acts as like a a bringing together again. You know, during the week, we maybe drift off, drift off. We get back, come back, get on course again. You see, that's, that's the whole idea of it. Come back on course. We all need to course correction all the time. If you're flying a big aircraft, do you say, okay, we're on the right track and just let's, you know, trust we'll get there. What do you have to do regularly? Course, correction. The winds have changed. Temperatures have changed. We're just a little bit off course. Let's just get back. If you wait until the end to course correct, you try to fly to New York, you find yourself in Chicago. You understand? And that's with our lives. We find ourselves way off course. Now we've got to do a massive course correction. It's not gonna happen. It's gotta be done gradually. Just process. Can you see that? Process. Process. And God gives you an eye for that stepping stone. And it works like this. You know, we went to the retreat at Kaiara. It's a beautiful facility that's been there for years. Wow, I think paid for it, whatever. But they rented out. Anyway, they had a thing there. It's a big property. And we get to the entrance, and there's balloons. Blue balloons. I'll never forget it. Now, obviously, people on the property were having a birthday party. Do you understand? So you go to those balloons, and then from there you can see in the distance another set of blue balloons. So what do you do? You go to those balloons. When you're there, guess what? You see the next set of balloons and you can you get the process and eventually what happens? It gets you to the party. It gets you to the party. Does everybody grasp this? So see you and I with God, dealing with God. What is the question? Father God, maybe I'm in trouble, maybe I've got sickness, whatever I've got an issue, or maybe I want to move into a business or and sometimes these things are so overwhelming. Amen. And you see, we think, well, it's so overwhelming. God can't be interested. But he is interested. Amen. And he's got a plan. What's the first thing to do? Find out, Father God, what is the first stepping stone? You get it? What is the first stepping stone? Whatever it may be. I've said this before. It's a beautiful story. I'm single in the ministry. I'm traveling all over and I'm lonely. And I'm, I go and minister and things happen in the church. And I come home to an empty house, empty little room. It's devastating. So I said, God, I need a wife. I need a wife. And I'm so glad I spoke to God about it. didn't wait for it to happen like it had been for the last so many years. And what did God give me? He gave me a stepping stone. You get it? And he very simply said, well, just take girls out. That might seem very obvious to you, but for me it wasn't at that stage, because I was Dysfunctional, you see. They said, you don't have to marry the girl you take out. You don't have to tell her you want to marry her. You know, that's not the point. You just want to. And I did. When I went to a, a few examples, I mean, it was quite hilarious. I met this one church and there were no girls really. But the pastor had two daughters, teenage daughters. So I just said to him, do you mind, you know, just to say, thank you. I want to take your two daughters out. I'm not thinking of any emotional, romantic relationship. You understand? Just want to bless them. They're much younger than me. He said, fine. All above board. Just had a good chat with them. What am I doing? I'm learning to Relate, you know. But it was a stepping stone. It's said a stepping stone. The one girl, oh my soul, she thought, no way. If, if we go out, you're going to get married. And she said, we had, I think, the most unpleasant steak I've ever eaten. <laughs> not because the steak was bad, but because she sat there, sort of, you know. As if to say, don't try your luck, Sunny. She's single to this day. Did you know that? Surprise, 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 surprise. So another girl I took out on a few dates. She was such a lot of fun, you know. But I had no intentions whatsoever. Then the one day she was supposed to pitch and she didn't. So it happened twice. I found out from Janet later that she thought I was, you know, sort of wanting to get romantically involved. So you have all these experiences, amen? You have all these experiences. Before I was actually even thinking of marrying Janet because when I first met her, you know, I had my list. And on top of the list was must-like classical music. Well, she liked classical, but liked classical. You know, sort of not in my heavy Beethoven stuff. So I just wrote off, you see. But all the same, she was the secretary in our business and the owner of the business had this series Benz. It was his pride and joy. It's massive top-of-the-range Mercedes-Benz. And I just said, just for fun, I said, Janet, I'm taking you out. I went to the boss's wife. I begged her that she'd let me use the Mercedes-Benz. I got flowers, Janet's colour. I got it all sorted out. You know, I drove this big car up, took it to the top restaurant in Bulawayo. We dined like king and queen. Do you remember that, my dog? But I had no intention at that stage, believe me, but something happened. Anyway, I drove this big vehicle home. And he's standing outside, up all night waiting for this car to come home. And he said, stop there, stop there. I'll park it, I'll park it in the garage. What am I saying? I had a whole lot of experiences like that. But eventually what happened? God brought the, you see, but there was a stepping stone is what I'm trying to say. And I did it. You see, I did it. Just take that, that one step. And you see, that's the key. And you see, when you get to that stepping stone, God will show you. God wants to help us. Amen? He wants us to be blessed and to be prosperous in every area. But it's not going to happen if we have a, like, a stand-off approach with God. Oh, he's so big up there, he doesn't want to talk to me. It's almost like struggle on your own, brother. Get on with it. Just muddle through. How many people, Christians do I know, are just muddling through? But you don't have to muddle through. You might have to deal with issues. Amen? But rather deal with the issues and move on. Amen? Get to the desired haven, whatever it costs. I made up my mind, that's what we're going to do. I'll give you another example, also a hospital bed. Here I remembered, some time back when we were really backing, we started our first church, we didn't go very far, but we were in a property there in Clubview. We were renting the property and we couldn't pay the rent. We moved out, we just packed our bags and moved out. Unfortunately, we were unable to pay that last month's rent, you see. We didn't want to incur any more expense, but we couldn't. Now, what? Twenty years later, God reminds me, listen, that rent's got to be paid. So we battle now to find this estate agent and we couldn't. We couldn't because she was elderly then and probably retired by now. So what did we do? What did we do? I said, Lord, what must I do? Because this money we owe. Anyway, there's a friend who was a parent when our kids were at school, Irene, and she just told us that she was doing estate agency work. So we invited her here. Just the other day. And um, you see, I just thought we owe an estate agent this money, so you don't know this one where she is. So we had other things we wanted to discuss about housing, etc. And at the end I said, look, you know, explain the situation. I said to her if you can find it. In the state agency world, this person by the name of Julia, please let us know. But in the meantime, we have this money that we owe and we want to give it to you. Well, she was almost blown away. I mean, dear God, you don't go to people for the first time and they give you a whole lot of cash. Have you ever heard that happen before? Hmm? We could have so easily said, oh, we can't find her, just write it off. No. No. You understand? What is God dealing with? Integrity. Hmm? I don't want to go before God and know there's a stone that I haven't turned over. Okay. I'll give you another example. This was a big role I was on. There's an electrician down the road here, on Abdul. Once again, we we're struggling here, really struggling. And we had problems with the car, we went there, he was auto electrician, they fixed the car for me. It was a bill of seven hundred rand. We left, I was unable to pay. Unable to pay. And obviously I forgot about it, you see. But God doesn't forget these things. He reminded me. So what did I do? Once again, interest, thousand rand in the envelope. I went to try and find, because I couldn't see the business anymore. I drove into a panel beating shop there. And guess what? Guess what? I said, I'm looking for Abdul Electrician. What happened to that? He said, yeah, this is the place. This is the place. And he's the owner of this whole thing now. So can I speak to him? Okay, we'll ask him. Very reluctantly, Abdul emerges from his office. I Only discovered that he had a triple bypass, so he was really, you know, really struggling. So he looked at me sort of like suspiciously, I said, I need to talk to you. So I go into the back office there and he looks at me, he said, you look quite familiar. (laughs) I took off my mask, he said, it's Graham, oh Graham! Big friends from way back. We were good friends, you see. And I said, listen, Abdul, you know, this money I owe it to you. I said, you don't have to worry about that. I wrote to off longer. I said, no, 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 no. We are friends. You don't treat friends like this. And there it is. Please take it. And he took it. But let me tell you, that act just broke something. Because you can be very friendly on the outside. Am I right? Mm-hmm. But when I left, you know what he said to me? Please come and visit me. he meant it. You see, he meant it. Now, he's he's Muslim. He's a devout Muslim. Please understand. And I make no bones about the fact that he asked me what I do. I said, I'm in the ministry. Hmm? Who knows what can come of that? But you see, what am I trying to say? God gave me a stepping stone. Amen? A stepping stone. This is what I want you to do. And you see, I'm learning now. When he says, do that Yes, sir. Amen? Yes, sir. Three bags full, sir. I'm on my way. You get it? Why? I don't want to live in a dry land. Amen? I don't want to live in a dry land. And God is gradually moving us into great prosperity. Great prosperity. Amen? In every area. You see, I might not have got a big windfall after that, but I tell you what, prosperity is relationship. Amen? That's a friend. That's a friend. Maybe I'll put you in there one day and he'll do stuff. I hear me? Brothers and sisters, let's not be scared of God. Amen? Let's not be scared of him. Know that He wants to reason. Amen? Though your sins be as scarlet. How often have I felt, no man, I can't speak to God. Look what I've done. He says, don't worry about that. He's more interested in not in judging us, he's more interested in helping us overcome. Does that make sense? He wants us to overcome. So when we're battling with something, don't think that God's so, how shall I say, judgmental that he doesn't want to have anything to do with us. No, on the contrary, he wants us to come. He wants us to come. And very often he might say, don't worry about that right now. There's other things that need to be dealt with. But just do this. Just do this for now. Maybe just get into your word a bit more. You see, that's always a stepping stone. He's so busy, devote an hour to the Bible. That's for a start. Just for a start. Let me tell you, you do that. And as you do that, what happens? He starts to speak to us through the word. Okay, Graham, now do that. You see? Okay, move into that. And what happens? Miraculously, miraculously, we find ourselves in a wonderful place. You see? And that's God's plan. God has a stepping stone. Can you all say Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful word that you bless us with. We pray, Lord, that every one of us would just move, Lord, to that desired haven that you have for us, Lord. That place of peace, joy, and happiness, and prosperity. We're all works in progress, Lord. None of us is perfect. None of us has arrived. But help us, Lord, to move in the right direction. May we not be afraid of you, Lord. May we boldly come into your presence because of the great high priest that we have who paid the price so that we could do exactly that. We could find help from the throne of grace in time of need. And Father God, we thank you that we've got such a wonderful, wonderful God. And we give you praise in his mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God.